0: Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to page 847, the Pew Bible in front of you, or you can pull out your uh, phone or if you have a personal Bible with you, whatever way you have to read the Bible. Um, we are on page 847, and we are reading from Mark chapter 11. 12 through 25 Mark 11 12 through 25 On the following day when they came from Bethany he was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf he went to see if he could find anything on it and when he came to it he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs and he said to it may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who, brought in the t- who bought in the temple. And he over- overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its root. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus said to him, have fear in god truly i say to you whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass it will be done for him therefore i tell you whatever you ask in prayer believe that you have received and it will be and it will be yours and whenever whenever you sta- stand praying forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father has Father, also who is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. The gospel of the Lord. So Jesus came to an unripe city in an unripe nation full of unripe people. So that's our first point. An unripe city in an unripe nation full of unripe people. Jesus was likely passing through Bethphage, and that's your first point on this little sheet here, if you were able to grab one coming in. Um, Jesus likely was passing, uh, purposely passing through Bethphage on his way into Jerusalem to illustrate that he is entering an unripe city. Bethphage is Hebrew for house of unripe figs. So if you ever hear uh, Beth, like Bethlehem, literally means house of bread, and I could go on a long you know, a discussion about house of bread, because Jesus is the bread of life, born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And he, you know, so we could go a long, you know, a long time on that. But Bethphage means house of unripe figs in Hebrew. And so um, he is entering through Bethphage to get to Jerusalem. So he could have took another route. There's lots of ways to get to Jerusalem, but he chose to go through Bethphage. And you can see that um, at the very first verse of chapter 11. It says, now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, uh, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. So he's literally illustrating that he has come to an unripe people simply by walking through a place called unripe figs. (laughs) And Jesus is illustrating God's judgment on Israel, and Israel through cursing this fig tree. So I did a really, a lot of study on fig trees. I probably know more about fig trees now than I probably, anyone really needs to know about fig trees. Um, so apparently uh, there's a lot of fig trees. Like there's like different kinds of species of fig trees everywhere. Um, but one of the cool things about fig trees is that when they um, leaf, when they have all their leaves, and then, especially when the leaves get full, there's usually, by that point, these little fruit that start growing on the fig tree. And so this little fruit, depending on which kind of fig tree you eat, this little fruit can taste really sweet and delicious, or it can be really sour and nasty. And so Jesus, if if you've been following along in in Mark um, and kind of following along in Lent, uh, as the Gospels have progressed towards his crucifixion, you'll notice that by this point, Jesus is in a rough state. Um, he is a week away from dying on the cross. And he is probably very hungry. He doesn't have a place to lay his head. Um, the people are saying Hosanna in the highest, but in their hearts, they have no place for Jesus. They're, they're crying out Hosanna, 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 but really they don't have any place for Jesus in their heart. And that's what this is about to illustrate is that he comes to this tree. This tree is in full you know, leaf, but it doesn't have any early figs. So another thing about fig trees is there's actually two seasons for a fig tree. There's the there's springtime season, and then there's the fall season. The fall season is what you generally, uh, when you generally go to get figs off a fig tree, you go in the fall, uh, more like August, late summer, to gather your figs. Well, so Jesus comes up to this tree, and he's expecting the first fruit of the tree. And where do we think, like, what do you think of when you hear first fruit? First fruit is all over the Old Testament, right? And what do you do with your first fruit? You give it to the Lord. And so there is no first fruit on this tree. It looks like it's ready, but it's not ready. It's not ready for Jesus. He's coming to this tree and he finds it fruitless. It looks like it should be fruitful, but it's not. It doesn't even have the beginnings of fruit. It doesn't have anything. It's barren. And so he comes to this tree and he's looking at it and and he should find fruit, but he doesn't. And it, you, you do notice that it does say um, in verse uh, 13, uh, he, he wants to see if there's anything on it. When he, came to, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And so people often ask, like, why was he looking on a tree for figs if it wasn't fig season? Like, duh. But reality is there were probably figs, but like I said, they were the first fruit figs. Anyways, another cool thing about figs, in the Old Testament, you'll find uh, figs all throughout it. Uh, there's um, lots of different illustrations of figs. Uh, but one of the things that God does with the fig tree is showing, Jesus, uh, showing Israel, uh, the prosperity of Israel. So Israel is, um, at one point, I think it's in Hosea, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is when it's uh, depicted as like a big basket of figs. And so this basket is full of fruit. It's ready. Uh, for the Lord. And other times um, in the Old Testament, you have, you have Israel depicted as like, you know, a tree where the nations can host, you know, where the, where the nations can perch, just like a tree, right? So Israel was supposed to be a fruitful tree for the nations. Israel was supposed to be a light for the nations. Israel was supposed to show them God, show the whole, every nation God. And we'll get into that in a minute, but they didn't. They failed. They failed to show the nation's God because they basically kept it for themselves. And as a church today, I think sometimes we're guilty of doing the same thing. We have this wonderful gospel. We have this wonderful truth. We have 66 books that God has given us to show the world who he is and his will. But often, we become Christians and we keep it all to ourselves. So instead of being this fruitful tree to feed the nations, to nourish the nations, show them the word of God, to tell them the word of God. We're fruitless. We look like we should have fruit, but we don't. And that's what's happening for the Israelites here. Uh, So the fig tree is used uh, in the Old Testament to show Israel standing before God. Uh, Israel had the appearance that they were being fruitful, but had none. So Jesus calls John the baptizer the greatest prophet of Israel. And John the baptizer warned God's people to produce fruit with repentance and that the axe was already at the root. And Jesus is showing through the fruitless fig tree that Israel's fruitlessness is about to bring God's judgment. And so John the Baptist had already come, and he describes Israel as this plant. And just like in the Old Testament, a vineyard, uh, there's all like so much agricultural kind of imagery for Israel. And John the Baptist, he, he uses the same uh, language when he describes Uh, Israel, he says that it's, you're fruitless. And when you come to be baptized and when you come to follow the Lord, you need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So I will get back to the fig tree when Jesus gets back to the fig tree, but we're going to move on to the temple for a second. And then they came into Jerusalem and he enters the temple, and he began to drive out those who sold and those who brought in the temp- who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. So the money changers exchanged currencies for coins that they could pay the annual temple tax and purchase sacrifices. One of the cool things about this temple, guys, I don't think most people appreciate how immense this temple was. This temple was amazing. This temple was huge. Like massive. They, have, um, they found some stones that are literally a million pounds. How did they move in a million, a million pound stone is beyond me. But they literally had this temple. So, a lot of people that came, they were God fearing people. They may not have been Jews. So, you have Gentiles, non Jewish men and women, families, coming to Jerusalem to see this temple complex, to see this uh, God worship that the, the Jewish people. Um, we're performing, right? And so there's all these people gathered around. And so what this temple should have been is a house of prayer for the nations, for the nations, but it's not. So my second point is Jesus came to purify his house. Jesus came to purify his house. Jesus is showing that he has come to purify the temple and replace the sacrificial system. So one of the amazing things that you'll see as he starts throwing around pigeons and throwing around coins and they you know, thrown around tables, right? Um, he's literally, as he's overturning tables, one of the cool things is he's overturning the sacrificial system. He's pointing to the fact that you don't need pigeons anymore. You don't need these sacrificial animals anymore. You're, I'm overturning these things so that you can have me. You don't need sacrifices to get to God. You can have God because you can have me. Jesus is also restoring the temple to its original purpose, not to be a place for commerce, but a house of prayer for the nations. That's from Isaiah 56, 7. Is that this temple was not just supposed to be for the Jewish people. When Solomon built this temple, God's intention was to make like a little heaven on earth, literally he gives every specification for this temple so that when people walk into it, they get a little glimpse of heaven. They get a little glimpse of who God is. And so he built this temple so that it would be a place for the nations to come and pray, for the nations to see God. And so Jesus is so frustrated with the sacrificial system and all, all, all the problems that, that Israel has created for itself that he is trying to restore Israel to its intended purpose, which is to be a light. For the nations, so this demonstration by Jesus uh, infuriates the Jewish leaders, who will have him killed in less than a week. So one of the things here is this is one of the points in Mark's gospel where we where the Jewish leaders really get mad because now it's very obvious that he is he is not going to let them continue to do what they're doing. Uh, So either they have to go or he has to go. Jesus teaches his disciples a lesson from the cursed fig tree. So let's move on back to the fig tree. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away. This is verse 20. uh, To its roots. And I'm just going to stop there. Where do we see the word root in the Gospels? I just said it earlier. The ax is already at the root. And if you don't produce fruit with repentance, you're going to be cut down. That's what John the baptizer was saying. And so this fig tree doesn't get cut down but it's literally withered to the root, which I just find is a fun connection. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) So they, like Israel, should place their faith in God, repent, and produce fruit with repentance. God came in the person of Jesus Christ to move mountains for Israel, yet they rejected him. And so I'm going to read those verses. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and Jesus said um and Jesus answered him have faith in God truly I say to you whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass it will be done for him a lot of times people will take this verse along with some other verses in scripture and take them completely out of context so this doesn't mean that if you believe that tomorrow you're going to be a millionaire and you really believe it in your heart it's not what this means. What it means is God will do whatever he will do in our lives according to his will. So if I ask for a million dollars and God desires for me to be a millionaire in order to do whatever he wants me to do, somehow he will make me a millionaire. However, that hasn't happened yet. So, um, but there's always, you know, you can always ask and see. So God will do whatever, he, uh, whatever we ask in accordance with his good purposes and what is best for his people. It is easy for us in a commercialized culture to treat God like another service provider, but we must remember that he is Lord with a sovereign plan. And I think in our society today, we get so caught up in, you know, will Muhammad, you know, will following Muhammad or following Allah give me what I want? Or will following Jesus give me what I want? Or will following Buddha, Buddha especially? People really like to use Buddha to give them kind of a nirvana or like a happy life of peace and tranquility. I find that a lot. Um, people will go to any God in order to get what they want. But Jesus turns it around. Jesus says, you're not coming you know, to get what you want. Jesus says, you're coming to be part of my plan. And so when you ask things in my name expect to receive them in accordance with my will. God requires us to forgive others in his power before we can rest assured that we are, in fact, forgiven. So let me continue to read on. Um, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven may I forgive you and your trespasses. And so, I want you to look at verse 26 here. If you can find verse 26. Um, just kidding. There's no verse 26. So, originally, verse 26, if you look at the bottom in your, book, in your Bible, it will say, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. We don't have that in this Bible, because um, textual criticism says this is, Text was not the earliest text. So therefore, it does not necessarily um, have the same canonical authority as the other texts. But it goes along with the, uh, with the preceding verse, which basically says, if you want to be forgiven in this life, you need to first forgive others. And we're about to have communion in a little bit, and I want to challenge you guys with this during Lent. You know, there's, a, there's three things that Lent really focuses on. It's fasting you know, prayer and giving, fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. So if we can spend time uh, in prayer and fasting from the things in this world and, and giving to the poor, that's still not enough though. What God really wants is a contrite heart, a heart that's willing to humble itself. In the Old Testament, we see over and over again, the, the Israelites giving and giving and giving and building and doing all these amazing things for God. But until your heart is right, God doesn't want to receive any of those sacrifices. So before we come to the altar this evening to receive uh, the body and blood of Christ through this bread and wine, let's take some time to examine our hearts and what we might need to forgive those around us and um, try to place ourselves in a a, um, state of humility throughout the rest of this luncheon season as we think about what are the things that are keeping us from growing more and more into the person of Jesus Christ. So, the bottom line is God calls us to purify our hearts, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and pray for God's will to be done. So, you can take this little piece of paper with you. If you didn't like my sermon, you can use it for fire kindling. Or if you want to keep it uh, for the rest of your life in your Bible, you can do that too. So, it's up to you. Um, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time together. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters in this room. I thank you that you call us to be like a good fig tree. I thank you that we are to be producing fruit in keeping with repentance, that we are to be fruitful for the nations, that we are to nourish them with your word, that we are to go out and to be a good, uh, a good vineyard, a place where um, tree, birds of the nations can come and, and nest and uh, be nourished. Lord, help us to be that for you. Help us to be uh, the people you've called us to be. May we not squander the wonderful, wonderful news that we've received, um, but let us not be like Israel, uh, but let us be like Jesus. Let us be the light of the world that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.